I'm Josh. And I'm Robert. And this is the What's Happening Idaho podcast. And we're live. What's happening, Josh? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. How are you? I'm doing all right. Uh, I actually want to introduce our special guest, uh, Representative Tammy Nichols from District 11. Specifically, like the Middleton Star area. Yeah, so I take in all of rural Canyon County. So uh-huh. Middleton, Melba, Notice, Parma, Greenleaf, Wilder, Canyon, um, as far as Nampa County and uh, Caldwell County. That's pretty awesome, actually. Yeah, it's um, a pretty large district. It's not one of the largest, but um, it makes kind of this weird C shape. But um, yeah, it's a it's a great district. So. It's also a rural district, right? Very rural. Yeah. Yep. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, did you grow up around there? Or? I grew up in Boise. You grew up in Boise? Yep. But I have lived out in that area for about the last 18 years. So mm-hmm. that's, that's a long time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> long time. Uh, yeah. So um, a couple of things that we wanted to talk about is as a district representative, like what is your specific job entail as and a state legislator? To kind of preface that, a lot of people, as you know, Tammy, uh, got involved politically because of Donald Trump, whether you agree with him or not. You know, whether you like him or not, he brought a lot of people to the table on yeah. both sides. So uh, that's kind of what we're seeing with a lot of people is, is that people are now getting introduced into politics. And and a lot of times there's confusion as far as like, you know, you see Congress, you know, operating year round. You see other states if, if you're a transplant operating year round. That's not necessarily the case in Idaho. So um, can you kind of tell us what the legislative session looks like for you? Yeah, so I'll try to answer both of you guys in in what I have to say. So um, Idaho is a part-time legislature. Okay. And so that means that we typically operate around three months out of the year, usually January through March, typically. Um, There have been sessions that have gone longer. There have been sessions that have gone a little shorter, but typically that's what we average. Uh, There's a lot of misconception that um, we as legislators uh, go to D.C., and we do not. We stay here in Boise. We come to the Capitol here, and this is where we work. So, but there's uh, many of us, I won't say everybody, but many of us that do function as a legislator year-round. I mean, we're constantly working on things. We're constantly working with people. We're helping with different organizations. Um, we're addressing people's concerns and needs and, uh, you know, and, and being uh, available to um, our constituents year-round. So even though we may not be at the Capitol year-round, we're still doing a lot of work year-round. Um, yes, Donald Trump did bring a huge wave of people that had never been involved or even concerned with what was happening in politics because we saw a lot of things transpiring um, during the Obama administration. And people started becoming very concerned with what they were seeing and they didn't like what was happening. And then when Donald Trump start, uh, decided to run, um, there was this connect that he had with people where people just really responded to him because he was he wasn't a politician. Mm-hmm. He was a regular person and he was saying a lot of the things that we were all thinking. So uh, he really resonated with people. Um, at, at a level that they could connect with. And that was really, really important. So that did bring in a whole new, almost a, a whole new generation, if you will, of people in politics. Um, I remember talking to people, cause I went to his inauguration and, uh, and in my group, there was, there was myself and my son, cause he went with me. There was a 
you know, like a typical Christian family, mom, dad, few kids. There was a couple that were from Florida, but they were originally from like the Caribbean, um, Jamaican type area. Very, very um, knowledgeable about everything Donald Trump that there was, it seemed like. I had, there was a, a soldier, I think he was in the Marines that had come. There was a blue collared New Yorker, union worker guy that was there. So I, I got to be, uh, I mean, cause we were standing there for quite some time before the inauguration actually started. So we had a lot of different conversations um, during that time. So it gave me a really good feel in just my small little circle at that time, the kind of people that came over and decided to um, to support Donald Trump and vote for him. And that was really eye-opening to me. The other thing, which is kind of interesting, is that, um, okay, so I'll make this a really quick story. So I had my son with me, he was 18 at the time, and he really wanted to attend one of the galas that was going to be um, happening. Well, DC at that time had a law that if there was a private party within DC and you were serving alcohol, you had to be 21 or over to attend. So he wasn't. So I had to find something that was outside of the vicinity of, of D.C. And I found something in Maryland and it was being hosted by Gays for Trump. So we decided to go ahead and go and see you know, what it was like, because for one, I was really, really curious. <laughs> of course, um, because in, you know, in the world, these people aren't supposed to exist. For one thing, there's not supposed to be mm -hmm. people that are LGBT and supporting Trump. They just aren't supposed to exist. So we went and we had a great time. It was and it was very eye-opening again because you had these people, they came from all over the United States and they were talking about what was happening in their communities, in their hometowns. I mean, some of them, I remember one spe uh, specifically talked about, uh, they came from a mining town and how the Democrats had shut down so much of their industry and it was just making their whole town like a ghost town and that they just could not support that anymore. They had to do something different. And so seeing that and seeing the people at the inauguration that I talked to, it made sense to me. It really connected that you have all these people now that have never been involved, have now had their eyes open and they're paying attention to what's going mm -hmm. on. Mm -hmm. So it was it was a great experience. My only hope is that those people continue to be involved, continue to pay attention and continue to move things the right direction. So. Now, is that kind of when you started getting involved or were you getting involved in like committee meetings? Yeah. So my background is that, no, I was never going to go into politics. Um, I. I started getting involved, though. It was it's been probably about 10 years ago, mm -hmm. and it was actually education that brought me in. I had sm younger kids at that time, and it's when Common Core was coming into to Idaho. And one of my children at that time was bringing home Common Core stuff, and I'm looking at it, and I'm trying to figure out what you're supposed to do with this. I couldn't even. He's in second grade. Right. And I'm like, if I can't figure it out, how is he supposed to figure it out? So I sent uh, a note to his teacher, set up an appointment, went and talked with her and asked her just to explain this to me. And she really couldn't explain it to me. She just kept telling me it was just going to be awesome. He was going to think more critically. It was going to be deeper. It was just going to be so much better. And so I decided, you know, I, I know how to research. I'm going to start researching it. So I did. And the more information I found out, the more concerned I became. And it just kind of led me down this rabbit hole. And then it connected me to other people in the area that were also concerned, other parents. And we kind of got together and decided to start, you know, talking to our legislators and coming down and testifying at the Capitol and, and helping with bills and just different things along those lines, trying to bring attention to what was actually going on. Because we couldn't believe that Idaho was going to allow this. 
and that they were going to do this to our kids. Um, and so it was very concerning to us. And that um, just kind of led me into other other areas. I started working with other organizations and then I started working with national organizations. And then um, I just felt this desire, you know, to, you know, I think my district needs better representation. I mm-hmm. think my district needs to be able to really have a voice because I didn't feel that it was there. Um, talking to my representatives at that time that were in my district. I mean, I couldn't get them to return anything. I couldn't, you know, there was just no representation. So um, I just decided, hey, if the opportunity ever comes up, I'm going to run for office. So um, I did run. Um, I, I've been a precinct committeeman. And mm-hmm. so I've done that and I still am. And that was kind of my my foot in the door, if you will. And then um, I ran. I ran for a house seat. Uh, this was my third election. Um, and so I'd ran once before and lost. And then I decided then I was just going to run again anyway. So, so I did and I got in and then I just won my, my last election. Congratulations, by the way. Yeah. Thank you. Definitely. Yeah. No. Um, you know, to hit on your point, I think, uh, you know, between you and a couple other representatives that are around here, you guys are very open, um, about being able to get in touch with your constituents, um, be able to sit down and talk to people, um, I've talked to you and several others that are just like, hey, let's let's have a conversation. So I think well, that's really it's cool. important. Yeah, it's very important. Um, you know, we have so many people that have moved into our state right. and they are leaving states where they don't feel that, you know, they have their rights protected anymore or they have all these different crackdowns that are going on. And so they're coming here to Idaho. And so, and we welcome them. We want good people in our state. If they have the ideologies though, um, that you know, cause them to leave their state. Those need to stay there, but we want good people here. And I feel a lot of them fit that category easily. And so, um, yeah, so it's important. So I'll have people reach out to me and they'll say, Hey, I'm new in the area. I guess you're my representative and I'll respond back to them. And they'll send me another message saying, is this really representative Nichols? Are you really <laughs> talking to representative Nichols? Yes, you are. So, so yeah, we try. Um, there's several of us that do try to be very open with our constituents, even people that are not in our district. I'll work with people because, again, they can't get their elected representatives to actually represent them or, or return their phone call or their email. So, um, so we do. We try to be. This is a very service-oriented position, right. and you have to have the desire to serve people. It can't be about you. It can't be about you know where you're trying to go next and climbing the ladder really has to be about the people and being able to serve them and keep them part of that representative government that we have. I think that's kind of a lost art. It really is. Unfortunately, Um, so many, I think so many politicians and I don't even call myself a politician because I don't want to develop that mindset. I call myself a people titian um, (laughs) because I want to make sure that I stay with that focus on the people. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of people do come into politics. They come in well-meaning and they want to do good stuff. And then they get pulled into that swamp that every state has, you know, and then they start figuring out, Oh, I can climb the ladder or I can, if I just do this then you know, I can get up to this position and then it becomes about them. And that's the unfortunate part because it needs to stay about the people. Exactly. exactly. I grew up in Georgia. So my state legislator, I had no idea who they were. <laughs> yeah, they did, yeah. Yeah. You didn't see any of that other than when it came down to like ballot time. That's, all, right. that's the only time you saw that stuff. Yeah. And that's pretty much how the East coast is altogether. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you can't sit down, you can't meet with your state legislator. It's not something that's an easy task. Right. No. So, yeah, Idaho is really actually unique in that um, 
regard because we are one of the few states that does have an open door policy, really. You can come in and talk to your legislators. Um, and so that is a really nice factor in our system of government here. Do you think that's because you guys only work, what, three months out of the year? Is it? You know, as, other as states have the three months too, or, or a short amount of time. And I've heard people say that they just, it's not the same there. So right. they don't just, they just can't walk in and come and talk to a legislator. So, okay. yeah. so we're unique. Very, very unique. <laughs> Very we nice hope state. to keep it that way too. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Uh, Idaho's, like I said in the last podcast, Idaho's definitely, uh, um, it's almost like the wild, wild west out here compared to where I grew up in. Um, and yes. I like it. It's good, I, good. I love it out here. We like it too. So yeah. We want to keep it. Definitely. Um, so uh, going into being a state legislator, um, what all does that entail as far as going in, um, sponsoring bills, writing bills? So the way it works is that each legislator is assigned to committees. So oh. I have three committees that I serve on, um, and I actually have the same committees this time as I did last time, which is great. And so I serve on the Agricultural Committee, mm -hmm. which is pretty self-explanatory. It handles all the stuff agricultural. Um, and my district is very much that way. It's a very ag um, district. And so that's important to me to, I mean, I didn't grow up on a farm, but once I moved out to Canyon County, we got a little hobby farm. And so I learned really good about ra helping to raise animals. What kind of animals do you have? Uh, we've had goats and pigs and a horse and a cow and rabbits and we've done bees and you know dogs and cats. Lots of you know bees. Bees. We did really. Bees once. Yeah. Yeah. Just how to try how it was out. that? It actually wasn't too bad. The winter, unfortunately, was really harsh and it was during the snowpocalypse. Oh. So it kind of killed them all. <laughs> but we did end up with five gallons of honey before that all happened. So. Did you keep it? Did you yeah. store it? Yeah. Yeah. Did you still have some. I do. Really? Honey does never go, it never goes bad. It never is, is something that you have to throw away. So yeah. Well, my friend. parents haven't ventured into the, the bee category yet, but they have goats and rabbits yeah. and stuff like that. Goats. I have a love hate relationship with them. Yes. So yes. Yes. <laughs> you understand what I mean? Yes. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, and we just kind of, we did that more to help teach our kids to have a work ethic mm -hmm. than anything else. I, I really didn't need to learn it. Um, you know, I, I've, worked from the time I was really little because my family had businesses and so I was always helping them out doing stuff but I really wanted to make sure my kids developed a work ethic and I thought the easiest way even though it's it's a pain for parents is to have them help take care of animals raise animals oh, yeah. um you know if you don't feed them you don't take care of them they die and so you know that's your responsibility and so that's what they've done and and all the jobs that they've had since then their um, bosses have always said how good of workers they are. That's so, good. Yeah, That's I, good. I'm glad it worked out. They hated it at the time, but um, you know they've learned to to embrace that. Now, did they do like any 4-H programs growing up with the goats or they rabbits? Didn't. Or they? Um, they did some show chickens. <laughs> show chickens. They <laughs> yeah. put like a jacket on and no. stuff. Like dance. No, they just have to be pretty. We had um, what's called silkies, and they're a really fluffy feathery pretty chicken and so um yeah they just have and they have this funny like hairdo thing at the top and and so um you know you'd have to bathe them and get them all ready and really they, yeah and blow dry them and get all their feathers how was it up. putting them in like the bath Did they were they afraid of the water like a dog um, you just do it really gently you know you don't like dunk them in or what have you, you just kind of pour water on them and 
kind of, you know, ruffle their feathers a little bit. But yeah, so that's <laughs> ruffle fun. their feathers a little bit. Yeah, but they're very pretty, and they <laughs> they are the sweetest little chickens, actually. Um, besides the roosters, the hens are really really nice. Yeah. But I'm I'm looking at them online right now, and I'm wondering how they actually see with all that hair. In I front know of their face. they have a ton, huh? Yeah, silky chickens. Silkies. Yeah. yeah, they're silkies, and they have. And what's interesting about them? Um, a lot of them come with white feathers. All their skin is black. Oh, really? Yeah, they all have black skin. So that looks something might... out of like a Pixar movie. Right. I know. Yeah. Aren't they yeah. cute? <laughs> and they lay little eggs and they're just kind of cute. So my kids would take them and, and um, you know, show them at some of the bird shows. And so they <laughs> get a ribbon, you know, they come in a place in something. And That's yeah, awesome. So... I had no idea those existed. <laughs> no, they are. And they're smaller. So they're a smaller chicken. So they're yeah. really cute. Yeah. Uh, what about your goats? How many goats do you have? So we're down on the goats now because <laughs> we got tired of taking care of them. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> so, but I had one that was um, my favorite goat. Her name was Faith and she used to be a show goat. So she was dehorned and everything, but she was a milk goat. Mm -hmm. And so we bred her a few times and then I'd milk her. And, um, and so I learned how to do that whole process and my kids would come and help and, and, um, you know, and so that was kind of fun because we made, we did milk, you know, like just raw milk. And then we made che goat cheese and just played around with it a little bit to see what we could, you know, do with it. But, um, yeah, but, uh, we had Nubians mm -hmm. and, um, and so, yeah, but a lot of them caused trouble. Oh, and then we had one that was kind of a dwarf goat and, um, he was kind of a pain. Yeah. <laughs> did it stay in like the baby phase the whole time? Um, he was kind of in between cause he was crossbred mm -hmm. and, uh, and so, yeah, so he wasn't like a, a regular size goat. He was more smaller, but he wasn't like the really, really tiny. When they were really tiny, they're yeah. like little puppies running around. They're so mm -hmm. cute as babies, which yeah. is why I love them. They are so cute and they just bounce around all over the place. But mm -hmm. sometimes they always think the grass is greener on the other side. So they're always trying to figure out how to escape, which is why they coined the, the phrase, I think, escape goats. So. Have you seen them in trees? It's wild. Um, oh. I have seen pictures <laughs> of that. Yeah, I didn't have them in mind, but it does not surprise me at all because they can get on anything. They have whole calendars dedicated to goats and trees, goats and, and it trees. is the funniest thing <laughs> you will ever see. It does not surprise me at all. I have seen them on some weird stuff, but yeah. And yeah, they, they just know. stand there and stare at you like, what are you looking at? Yeah, have you ever seen a goat in a tree before? <laughs> I don't know. So it sounds like you're actually the perfect fit for the Agricultural Affairs Committee. Yep. Yes, the Ag Committee, like I said, it's very important. Um, my area, I mean, uh, wine has really taken off in Canyon County. Wine, there's, really? Yeah, so there's a lot of wineries that are out there. Um, we grow hops, which is really important to the brewing industry. Um, we have been working on hemp. Um, that's been a very interesting thing in itself, but I believe it's gonna be coming back again. Yeah. So, um, because our farmers really would like to mm -hmm. grow that. Um, we're importing it all the time and we can't grow it in our state for some reason. So um, it would be a great- What thing. do you think that is? I think there is this mentality that people don't really understand what hemp actually is. When they think hemp, they automatically think marijuana. Right. And it's not. I think so, that. Yeah. I, I don't, and it's I don't not. know all, all And it's hemp. used in over 200,000 products now. Mm -hmm. um, Lego is even using it to make their Legos here coming up. Really? They're going to be transitioning really? over to hemp plastic. So, um, yeah. I so had no idea know, about that. crazy? But yeah, it's used in all sorts of things. And like I said, we're importing it. So we're paying somebody to bring it in. 
and our own farmers aren't allowed to grow it. And that's unfortunate because it's a good it's a good crop to use for rotation too, because it doesn't take that much out of the soil. Um, and so it, it would be very beneficial for our farmers and for the tax here in Idaho. So, yeah. Yeah. And you're also on the, uh, the tax commission committee. Doesn't I you? am revenue and tax, and mm. that's a big deal. Um, because most people feel like they're being taxed very well and would actually like to have a little reprieve, I think, with their taxes. Right. So we did try a few things last session. Um, we tried to pass a, um, a basically a tax exemption, which would limit the counties and cities from being able. They, they have a three percent that they're allowed to mm -hmm. utilize. And so it was just kind of keeping that capping it um, so that they couldn't take all of that and they couldn't increase it. Um, the following year, so it'd give homeowners a little bit of a, a discount on their on their property tax. Um, I think people really just want to see an elimination of property tax. Yeah. Yep. Um, and I'm all I'm all for that. I think one of the saddest things, and I didn't even know this. I don't know why I didn't know this. It, it makes sense, but I didn't know for the longest time that you could pay off your house and still not actually own your property. Yeah. <laughs> And and so um, and that's so sad because we have such a population of elderly people here in the state who have worked really hard all their lives. They've paid off their homes and now they're usually on a fixed income. And if something happens and they're not able to pay their property taxes, they could have their homes taken away. And that's really unfortunate. They should be able to stay in their homes, live in their homes without the fear of, you know, having taxes to have to contend with continually. Right. You know, to me, it's I've always found it absurd. So my dad just retired from the military. He was in for 30 years, retired uh, two years ago, two and a half years ago from Special Forces. Mm -hmm. And he decided to buy in our home state of Texas. So he bought a house on a lake there. And, um, you know, one thing he was talking to me about is as a veteran, he doesn't pay any property tax. Mm, yeah. And it, I've, it's always kind of boggled my mind since I, I think Idaho and Texas in a lot of ways are closely aligned um, <laughs> idealistically. Sure. Uh, actually, I'd say we're actually more conservative than Texas. Now, Texas is kind of fighting areas. that purple, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. you know, um, but it's always kind of blown my mind that we don't have any sort of exemption for uh, veterans mm -hmm. or elderly who reach a certain age, something to help these people right. continue to uh, make their living right. and, and maintain their homes that, yeah. you know, elderly people uh, potentially have built themselves. Right. And now they're finding themselves in, you know, financial strains yeah. and, and people, even young families with, with this whole coronavirus thing are, are finding themselves financially strained. Oh, absolutely. And we have, I mean, we definitely have a housing issue going on here mm -hmm. in the state because, again, we've had so many people move in that it has driven housing prices just in a crazy you know, direction. And most young people can't even afford to purchase a home right now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, actually, I just moved here from Florida last year. Okay. Uh, in a three-bedroom condo on the beach, um, two bathrooms. Not anything massive, but, like, right there on, like, probably the most beautiful beaches in America. Uh -huh. uh, it costs less than me buying a two-bedroom, two-bathroom, tiny home in Caldwell. Isn't that crazy? It blows my it's mind. crazy. Yeah, so we definitely have a housing issue going on, mm -hmm. and it's also driving home values up, which are increasing people's property taxes. Mm -hmm. So now some people have found it that their home that they once could afford, they now can't afford it because the property tax has gotten too high on it. And yeah, and that's unfortunate. We need to definitely look into what we can do to, to fix that. Do you think eliminating the property tax would fix kind of the real estate market a little bit? 
You know, I think that in conjunction with some other possibilities would probably help. Um, you know, people have also said, well, how about let's just get rid of income tax and call that good. And that is definitely another another solution. That's uh, something I do in Florida as well. The income. The, yeah. yeah, there's no income, no income tax, tax there. Yes. Yes. And and, you know, on that end, um, you know, you have a lot of businesses that like to go to states where they don't have right. income tax yeah. because then it's less tax for them to have to pay more money in their pocket and more money they can actually pay their employees. Yeah. So, so yeah, so there's several different avenues that we could look at. The thing I do know is that we have quite a surplus in our state right now with all the money that we've been receiving off of COVID and the CARES money. And so to me, it's a no brainer that it's time to give tax relief to the people in Idaho because we, we can't afford to do that. Now, I know that there's a lot of people like you who would like to see tax relief, uh, but it seems like a lot of times... It doesn't get anywhere. Right. But, uh, with the surplus, do you think leadership and the governor uh, and the Senate side, which a lot of times we find bills don't make it out of there, they come from the House side. Do you think that we might have a better chance this legislative session as far as getting something passed that, that actually has teeth and helps I know? Yeah, I hope so. I know the governor has been touting tax relief in some of his uh, messages that he's been sending out. Um, so I'm hoping that that is the page that he's on and that it would be fairly easy. I, if people are listening to their constituents that are representatives, yeah. I would hope it's a no brainer for everybody that this is something that people do need. They do want. And, um, you know, we should facilitate that with them. You know, the governor also did state uh, when he was elected that the next session he would work on. Uh, hey, we're going to get rid of the grocery tax. Yes. Where are we at with that? <laughs> yes, we did. That was really interesting in itself um, because we did try to bring that back last session. Mm -hmm. Representative Giddings and I did. And we couldn't even get a actual hearing in the committee for it, which just a few years prior to that, you know, it passed the House, it passed mm -hmm. the Senate. Um, it went into a, a court case because of um, the, the days that it was sitting on the governor's desk and there was... Um, he actually waited a day too long to be yeah. able to do anything with it. So it should have gone into law. And uh, and then it went to court. So there was money spent, taxpayer money, you know, all these representatives. I wasn't a representative at that time, but all these other representatives signed on to this lawsuit. And, um, you know, basically with that one, they they spanked the spanked the governor and told him just don't do it again. <laughs> So, yeah. So you would think with all that support that this last session, it would have been a no brainer again mm -hmm. to to bring it back and run it again. But um, but there was a lot of uh, politicking going on at yeah. that time, unfortunately. And again, the will of the people wasn't actually being taken into consideration like I would have seen, liked to have seen it. So, yeah. So we might be bringing that back again. It's definitely something that could be on the table. There you go. Now, the first bill you talked about, the three was it the three percent tax on from the counties? oh the counties and cities? Yes, yeah. was that the first one you introduced? Um, well, not really introduced, but was so that was in my committee, yeah, and uh, and it was to cap cap what they could take. And what was really interesting is you had the cities and counties that were coming saying, "Don't do this," and then all the citizens were coming to testify saying, "Do do this." So because in the committees, um, that's where bills have to start. Right. So they can't go anywhere else until they've gone through the committee process. And um, that is where uh, the hearings also take place. So people are able to come in and testify on behalf of bills. And and so we actually had a few days um, of testimony where that specific bill was being uh, debated and, and talked about. Was that the first one you worked on? 
Um, so I just helped with that. Um, I was supporting it because I, I was hearing my constituents. They were messaging me. They were emailing me, uh, calling me saying, please give us tax relief. Please help our property taxes. Right. So I was in full support from the get go to, you know, to help with that. So, and it passed the house. We actually did pass it in the house. Um, but that's as far as it got. So. <laughs> uh, well, the only reason why I ask is I remember reading something like the first legislation you worked on or might've introduced as a junior representative is the, the one that they, um, uh, what's the right word for that? Uh, hazed you on where they've all oh, voted one oh, way yeah, yeah, yeah. or they all voted no. Yes. Was that the one? So that's, um, no, it was a different one. Gotcha. It was just a really simple one. And yeah, it's kind of a tradition that the the freshmen, hopefully no freshmen are listening, but um, the freshmen, yeah, they haze you and all vote against your bill. Did you know it was coming? I'd heard some little rumors, but until it happened, it didn't all connect to me. I was thinking, why are they voting against this? <laughs> and then at the very end, I think they actually, the media caught a picture and my mouth was kind of open, like, ah, oh, now I get it. So. <laughs> I think I, saw, I think that's a picture mm -hmm. I saw. Yeah. Yep. Um, so what did you think of that that whole situation going through it when it was happening? Yeah. Um, you know, it was all for fun, so yeah. I didn't mind. Yeah, I I'm pretty laid back, so um, you know, I like to have a good time and and have some fun while you're working. So it's of course, yeah. of course. And it's always fun to watch like something like that happen. In that yes, house, you know? yes, yes, it is. And you know, when you're in politics, you have to have a little fun because it can get depressing. You know, with all the Very all the much. crazy stuff that's going on all the time. Um, you know, and you deal with some pretty pretty hard to deal with situations and and um, you know people's stories and where they're at with things and so you have to be able to have a little fun because it can get depressing yeah <laughs> speaking of crazy times mm -hmm. right now one of the committees you also serve on is the business affairs committee mm -hmm. right and crazy times i mean is as far as business owners go there seems to be a lot of uncertainty right um we'll get i kind of jumped ahead of myself but uh with that Let's just kind of talk about, you know, the business affairs okay. committee and what you actually do there. So yeah. business handles pretty much everything that has to do with business. The only things that we really don't do are if it has to do with um, medical, anything okay. medical, really. So we handle anything that has to do with um, trade, um, businesses, with their laws and rules, um, fees, um, anything along those lines that goes through the business committee. And... That, that has been a pretty busy committee in the past. I think it's going to be more so because of the things that are going on right now. You know, I really feel for our, our business owners um, right now because of all the uncertainty that's happening. Mm -hmm. And you have to keep in mind that, you know, our businesses, especially our small businesses, those are the, the backbones to your communities. Again, I come from a family that had small businesses. We had schools, private schools and daycares for years and years and years. And so I know the hard work and the labor and the money and the time that's put into it. Um, and so I really feel for our businesses that are kind of on this, this pendulum, if you will, and it just continues to swing back and forth on what they're allowed to do and what they're not. I was really disappointed that you know our government was stepping in and deciding who was essential and who wasn't yeah. um, at the get-go of um, this whole coronavirus thing. Because to me, that is not the proper role of government. Government should never be picking winners and losers. And you know, I had some constituents in my area that 
they just went ahead and opened up their businesses when they weren't supposed to because it was easier for them to take the fine than to close their business down and potentially lose the whole thing. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and I, I had people calling me, what should I do? I, you know, I can't, I'm a, I'm a hairstylist. I can't even go and cut hair. You know, how am I supposed to take care of my family? And, and I fell for them and I just, you know, I told them, you do what you have to do to take care of your family. The government is not going to take care of you. They're not going to bail you out. And, you know, and they were running these different programs, you know, to help with, with, um, money and help with businesses and they were taking forever and ever and ever mm. for people to even get through the process and so i would just tell people you do what you have to do to take care of your family if you need to reopen your business i have all faith in you that you can do so in a manner that is going to be safe for your business for your employees for your customers i have all faith that you can do that and so some of them did. Well, most of your it. constituents in District 11 are small businesses as oh, well. There's yeah. very little corporations out that way. Yeah, I mean, that's really true. Or corporate businesses, I should say. Yeah, large companies or anything. Yeah, yeah it's mainly smaller businesses or farming. So mm -hmm. that's basically what we have. And so, um, yeah, and that's, that's what I would tell them because I felt horrible for them. How dare we put them in a position and still require them to pay taxes yeah. and still yeah. require them to, you know, take care of all of that. When we're not even allowing them to make money, how dare we put them in that position? So right. that was that was really, I think, irresponsible. I and, think there were. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. And with like an un, a broken unemployment program that was, it took yeah. six months for some people. Oh, like my sister, crazy. it took her four and a half months. And in the meantime, she wasn't making any money at no, all. No, no, absolutely not. I mean, that is a really bad way to conduct business, and it and it looks really bad on the government to handle things in that way. How are you supposed to? trust your government to be able to take care of business when they can't even do the bare minimum. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah we, uh, actually I'm, so I'm one of your, uh, constituents, Correct. as you know, <laughs> um, but we actually, one thing I saw that was cool is, is with this pandemic, uh, mm -hmm. some people arose as heroes mm -hmm. really for their communities. And, and I think we really saw that in district 11, uh, we were talking earlier about the owner of Middleton Fitness, Jonathan mm -hmm. Eldridge. Uh -huh. Not only did he open his business, because he was one of, I think he was possibly the first in the state to say, yeah, you know, I think I'm going to open my business. I think it's pretty darn close. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, but he, he stepped up even further. So mm -hmm. uh, he went and bought uh, a cow, I think, or maybe a couple mm -hmm. and just put it on a Facebook group for Middleton saying, hey, if you need help, you need food. We just had these this coward cattle process. butchered yep. and process mm -hmm. let me know we'll help you out yeah right yeah uh, that's really cool yeah it was and what was cool as well is i had a friend who came out to middleton he's like hey my gym's locked down i'm gonna go check it out we drove there i was showing him where it was at and we parked there and we're talking for a minute and jonathan was actually inside he came out and uh started talking to us about it and uh i said yeah you know i i um I feel for small businesses. I'm actually still, even though you're closed or you've been closed, uh, I've still kept my membership active. And mm -hmm. he actually told me, he's like, hey, well, actually, we haven't been charging anybody. Yeah. So, you know, there's there's a few examples of people who really stepped up during Absolutely. this time. And, yep. and, you know, the the best of us arose. Right. And he's actually becoming involved politically now. He, <laughs> he's gotten very involved. In fact, um, he reached out to me during that time to you know, pick my brain as to what he should do. And mm -hmm. I kind of gave him that same advice that I already said, you know, you do what you got to do. And, um, and he didn't charge people for quite some time because 
we saw where um, in our discussion that, you know, people that were coming down with the coronavirus um, seemed to be having other issues. So mm-hmm. they weren't, you know, very healthy right. per se. And so he really felt it was important that people were able to get the opportunity to keep themselves in shape. Um, for one, not only for the health benefit of, of your immune system, but also for your mental health. Right. And, you know, and that has become a huge issue. We know that mental health issues have increased, suicide, depression, all that sort of stuff have gone up. And so he really felt it was important that people still had that outlet to be able to utilize to where they could go and exercise and feel good about what they're doing and get that stress, you know, out of their system and, and be able to um, help their mental state. And so, and I... I went the very first day that they opened back up and um, and I went back periodically and I did some videos and, you know, um, talked up his business because I felt that that was just such a great, a great way that he approached things, mm-hmm. um, you know, to open his business back up, but to do so at no cost to anyone and anyone could come in and use his business. And I think it benefited him in huge um, ways in the long run. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, down the road, uh, you had Walmart just down the road from him, you had Walmart. And it was no social distancing, no masks or anything like that. People just in a feeding frenzy. Oh, yeah. Um, and to go there where they, you know, made the precautions that they needed to in order to. Yes. And he was doing all of that. I mean, he put in, you know, they had the, you know, like every other machine was closed mm-hmm. off and they were doing cleanings and just, you know, and that's showing that is how businesses, they know what they need to do. They mm-hmm. know how they're able to function and keep everybody safe and um, put in the protocols that they need to 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 make sure people are comfortable there and so you know it started he had like a few people that started coming and then more people started coming and then more and then people started even saying hey i want you know i don't know how long you're doing this for but i want to have a membership here and and so yeah it was it was a beautiful thing to watch and i really appreciated you know everything that he's been doing and um he he's a great guy and i think i think he has some some uh, possible future political abilities i can see it i can see it i I hope so yeah i definitely can see that um and it's it's cool um you know you you hit on that point with you know him reaching out and helping families in the area i think middleton is a a unique town like that because it's very small it's like what one stoplight in middleton (laughs) yeah as um we do still have only one stoplight yeah Um, one one set of schools, the elementary school, the middle school, and then the high school. Not anymore. Not anymore. We have more elementary schools now. Yeah. So oh, did they build another one? We have three total, right? Okay. Yeah. So yeah. Well, even then, like they they all feed into the you know the high school and the, the community is mm-hmm. a very tight knit group there. I've noticed it is one of the hardest things I think that um, that has been for the community because it is a small community and like most small communities, sports are a big deal. Mm-hmm. Their high school sports, are especially a in Middleton, huge deal. Yes, yeah. and my son. You know, he plays football and he's done all this. He does all the sports um, that he can. And so with this whole thing, it's been really hard on families and just um, the community in general to not be able to support the students and support the community in that way. And, um, you know, I went to the first game my son played was in another town out past um, uh, Twin Falls area. And you went there and there was nothing. There was no you know, requirements, there was no mandates. It was just a regular, you know, football game. And then, you know, Middleton's done a few things where they started with just two people could attend and then it was four. And, and I had parents contact me, you know, well, you know, we're going to go, but grandma and grandpa can't go. And how are we supposed to do this? And, you know, and, and those sorts of things, I would love to flip a switch and, and change it, but 
that's actually done on a different level than what I'm able to. I mean, I can write letters and do all of that and, and participate, but um, they did form an organization of parents and everything. And so um, they they worked really hard to try to get the kids back in school so that they were there face to face all the time, because we see what's happening now with kids that are learning online and their grades are failing. They're not doing well. Yep. They're not even participating. And so uh, we didn't want that happening with our kids. I think there's a very small percentage where like online schooling and homeschooling kind of works for those, like as far as their personalities go, but the vast majority of children, my, my kid, especially like he missed going to school and he would tell me about how he misses all of his sure. friends. Absolutely. And, um, and he lives out in like West Ada County area. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like he misses going to school and seeing his friends and seeing his teachers and learning in person. So Absolutely. I think it's I think it's important that we do. Yeah, there's a lot of development that takes place with kids and it doesn't matter what grade they're in or, or what age they are, but they need that social interaction. It's just mm-hmm. part of you know how they develop and what yeah. they're needing. And again, it goes back to the same, the mental you know depression and all that. They don't have those connections. People are not made to be isolated. Right. People like, to, most people like to be social. I mean, you have your exceptions, of course, but most people do like human contact mm-hmm. of some sort and um and on a screen you know it's just not the same thing and even my kids i mean they were just chomping at the bit to be able to get back with their friends and and some of the classes were really difficult to do online because it is more of an interactive in-person type class right um so it was making it really really difficult and i i know it was hard on the teachers too because you know some of them most of them i would say in our area wanted to be able to go back and teach mm-hmm. um able to be with their students so so it's created a lot of challenges well even the teachers that were like hey i want to stay home right Mm -hmm. if you look at last year uh i would say the latter half of the year it wasn't even an opportunity to have education uh when they closed down the schools nobody planned for that right right and i mean we'll talk about my kids i've got four young kids at home um none of them got an education as soon as it happened i mean it was just literally just stopped redoing <laughs> math problems that were yep. printed because the teachers couldn't figure out how to uh, do the classrooms, the Google classrooms. And when they did, they had to try and implement it, uh, mm-hmm. you know, to all these families and a lot of families, especially in uh, our district, you know, it's a lot of um, lower income people, I would mm-hmm. say mm-hmm. living there um, don't have the tools necessarily, necessarily uh, needed to facilitate doing that schooling from home. Don't have the internet, don't have a Chromebook, don't have a tablet, anything that they can do that. So all of a sudden, these kids who are supposed to be learning are getting sent packages and saying, do this. Yep. But you can't advance. You can't learn that stuff from a package. Uh You have to have it to where, because a lot of the stuff I saw was more so, we can't teach because we weren't prepared for this. Mm -hmm. So we're just going to have them review what they already learned. And that's all that happened for my kids. Yeah, Yeah, same towards the end of the last school year. Yeah. 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 And, you know, other things have been put into place um, to be able to try to make learning easier. But even with technology, it's never perfect. And so you have, you know, classes that kids are trying to get on. They couldn't get connected. They Mm -hmm. couldn't get on. um, They would get dropped. Or Mm -hmm. And then how are you supposed to teach, you know, X amount of kids? Because kids all learn differently. They don't all learn the same. And I think you really just have to, I mean, like I said, my family ran private schools and I saw how things, you know, were done and teachers really have to interact with their students to understand where they're at on things and what they need to be able to help them have a successful school year. And it's unfortunate because now I'm hearing that because of everything that's happened, the nationally, our kids are two to three years now behind what they should be. 
So, you know, there's going to be some catching up. And, um, and there was already a lot of issues with the education system as it was. Right. Exactly. Yeah. yeah and there has been. And so this was a this was an eye opener. I mean, parents had to all of a sudden be homeschoolers. Yep. And some of them have chosen to stay with that, um, you know, way of educating their kids because uh, they figured out other ways to make it better and that mm -hmm. their kids were doing better. Um, some parents, because they have to work, it just was not, you know, it did not work with their schedule whatsoever. Some people have had to quit their jobs to be able to do that. And so I hope people really pay attention to, you know, what's happening with their education system. What kind of education are their kids getting and be a little bit more proactive in that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I think also it takes a toll on the parents as well. So those that are <laughs> deemed essential. <laughs> Uh, you know, they would send their kids to school while they went to work, mm -hmm. right? And now they have to figure out some kind of daycare slash, you know, um, somebody watching their kids while they sure. go to school and making sure that happens. Right. Yeah. Um, and I think that that puts a lot of stress on, on people as well. It does. There was lots of memes I saw that talked about teaching your kids and drinking wine at the same time. <laughs> yes. So, that 10 o'clock was not too early. So. <laughs> 10 o'clock was not too early. Yeah. <laughs> That's a fair point, actually. Yeah. So I know it, it put a lot of stress on parents. Um, definitely. Um, especially if you have multiple kids and they're in yeah. different grades and you're trying to you know, function in all those different capacities. So I'm lucky my kids are all in high school, so they're pretty, you know, they can handle things mostly on their own. But there were there were several times that I had to help with homework assignments mm -hmm. or something wasn't working right. And so we had to try to locate where this actually was and which link was it and, you know, how are they supposed to do it? And so, yeah, I get it. Well, now, so they talked about opening back schools and kind of requiring masks. So, mm -hmm. and you've been a pretty open critic about masks. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, you had a study that you had worked on about that. Yeah. Um, so, you know, my philosophy is I'm not going to tell other people what to do. Right. Um, if they want to wear a mask, that is their prerogative. If businesses want to ask people to wear a mask, that's their prerogative. I feel that most of the businesses are being, it's more of a coercion. Like they have to ask people mm -hmm. to wear a mask. It's Especially not because, in like Boise. Yeah. It's not because they really want to. It's because they're being forced to because they're being threatened. So, right. um, so yeah, but I'm not going to tell people wear a mask or not. I personally don't because I tell people I don't want to get sick. I'm a healthy person. I don't need to be wearing a mask because to me, I see other states where they've mandated masks. They've been doing it for a long time and their rates are going up just as much as ours. Right. So I don't, I don't see the, the science showing that masks are that effective. I really don't think they are. And it's not something, it's not one of those positions where there is between the medical and scientific community that there's consensus that they are the exact thing that we need to be doing. You'll see, um, you know, uh, papers and issues and different things and, and talking to different doctors that will take both or different sides of the coin. You know, some will say, yeah, it's exactly what we need to do. It's great. And others will say, no, it's not. So I decided I was just curious because I am just that way. And I really wanted to see, you know, well, people are wearing masks. OK, well, you know, what's actually on those masks? Right. <laughs> because I talked to a few um, people. One is a, um, a gal that's a secretary receptionist for an orthodontist. And she was telling me that, you know, she was wearing a mask and she was getting these horrible breakouts, these rashes and everything um, on her faces, on her face. And that she was actually getting open wounds and all this stuff. And so she had to figure out a different way because she went to a dermatologist and he's like, got to stop wearing the mask. That's what's causing it. So, um, so I have some, some medical friends in the community. And so I was able to acquire a couple of masks. We did a cloth one and then we did a paper, um, 
disposable mask. And so the cloth one uh, was from a friend. They wore it to work for X amount of days, just in their normal everyday function, you know, that they did. And then the other one was worn by a medic um, for just a day. And so we took both of those and cultured them. And um, both of them came back with staff on them. That's interesting. Yeah. And that makes sense to me because you have a lot of people that are having skin breakouts. Well, staff causes skin irritation. And that's one of the things it can do. And it can cause breakouts and and more severe things. Um, And then the other thing it can do is if it gets into your lungs, it can cause pneumonia. It can cause heart issues. It can cause um, toxicity in your blood. So it has all these different things that could happen. And I'm not saying that that's what's making people sick, um, you know, because they're wearing a mask. But I've known many, many people now that have worn a mask and have still ended up sick. Um, in fact, I have a family member, their whole family, they don't live in the state. So but their whole family have taken every precaution known to man to, through this whole thing, worn masks, stay home, pull their kids out of school, having groceries delivered, you know, we're even wiping down all the groceries before they put them away and, and just making sure everything is clean. And they all came down with COVID. So I'm just like, you know, if it's not something, and again, I'm people that are healthy, Masks were never made to, to put on people that are healthy. Right. They just are not. And I I worked in the hospitals. I, I've been through trainings and, and different things on mask wearing. And I never remember them telling us, wear a mask because you're healthy. I mean, there's certain instances like surgeries and things like that where you do. And, and it's a different environment. There's different air filtration. They actually turn up the, the oxygen in there so that you can breathe better. And I don't know how many people have told me they get headaches, they mm-hmm. start feeling nauseous, you know, just all this stuff. So yeah, so a lot of the schools have mandated mask wearing. Um, I found a certain type of mask that actually works for my kids. And um, I've actually tested it out myself on the airlines and in Costco and all those different places and have been able to wear it just fine. But it still um, makes it so that you have breathability. Mm-hmm. And, um, and so yeah, and, and, and again, you go back to the kids, the kids are one of the last people. I mean, they're they're not carriers like we think. I think there's only one in the state of Idaho, if I remember correctly. And yeah, they he just, had pre-existing conditions. Yeah, they just don't fall within those categories. And and yet we're putting on them this, this baggage, basically, right. that we're going to cause it so that you can't have school activities, that you can't have, you know, games, that you can't do all these different things in a, in a, um, environment uh, at school because where you don't even fall within the categories to be concerned about. So right. it's just, it's kind of best backwards to me. So yeah, definitely. Um, yeah. But again, I'm not going to tell people what they can and cannot do. If they want to wear a mask, by all means, wear a mask, knock yourself out. Yeah. I think that's important. I think a lot of people will realize, or they, they fail to realize that, um, you know, as Americans, we're free to do these, yeah, these kind of that's things, kind of gotten, you know, that's also become kind of a lost art too, that we actually have freedoms and that we are able to make decisions that mm-hmm. are best for us and for our families and for our health. And, and it's like, you know, the government is not the one to look to for your safety and health mm-hmm. by yep. any means. I would not trust the government with my safety and health yep. for anything. So I think that, you know, people should, should be very careful about, putting their trust in the government for their health and safety. Well, people that have been 
talking about a broken healthcare system for so many years oh, and right. now saying that we have the greatest healthcare system in the world. Right. It's like, Isn't that funny? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate. I mean, I listened to the governor speak today and I did do a write up on my Facebook, um, on what I thought about that. Mm-hmm. And so, um, people should, should t- maybe check that out. <laughs> <laughs> I was just but, reading it. Were you? Yeah, okay. Yeah. But yeah, but yeah, do not trust the government with your health and safety, please. That's the last thing. The government is good at some things, but that's not one of them. Yeah. They really are not that good at it. Now, speaking of your Facebook, mm-hmm. uh, what was it, June? Let's pull up. Probably July. July, somewhere <laughs> in there. Uh, you posted an uh, article, and it was your private Facebook page, so I want to make Correct. that clear. Yep. Private Facebook page. Um late at night, I think, if I remember correctly. Um, and it was about a nurse um, that, where's, where's that, John? Somewhere in here, but uh, it, if I remember correctly, it was uh, essentially about a nurse. Oh, you got to go ahead. Yeah. Um, right, a nurse that one. passed away. Nurse that passed that away, local. correct. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think she technically died of a heart attack. Is what That is what the um, paper originally reported, yes. Mm-hmm that she died from a heart attack. So um, I had a friend that that made a post and okay. she was just questioning, you know, okay, so this is what this paper said and now we're hearing this, so what happened What happened to the heart attack aspect mm-hmm. of it? And so I reposted it because I repost a lot of things on my Facebook. In fact, people will tell me, if you don't post stuff, we think something happened to you because <laughs> I'm posting a lot of stuff a lot of the time. And, um, and I didn't even make a comment on it or anything. I was actually going to go back to that and look into it further because sometimes I'll just throw, I'll repost things so I can go back to them. I just don't have time right at that moment to look into it or look at it. And so, but I can go back through my feed and um, check it out. And so, yeah, so somehow it um, someone was, um, looking at my, my posts and decided to take a screenshot and send it to the media and make a make an issue out of it. So I thought that was really interesting. It must have been a slow news day, but yeah, anyway, definitely. it caused quite a little firestorm and made national news. And- now in your defense, I do the same thing on mm-hmm. my Facebook. If I see an article and I don't have time to read through it all, but I want to look back <laughs> on it, I'm like, share. I've had many people tell me that now, so I'm not the crazy one. <laughs> <laughs> but it's not the media that comes after me, it's my right, mom. Right, right, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> my mom's like, watch your Facebook. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Well, the media likes, I mean, I figured out that I can just make a post and it will get on, in the media somehow. Even on your <laughs> private page? Yes, because really? this one was on my private page. I Usually think, it's my public. Just yeah. follow your Facebook. Right, right. You know, another thing too is even if you saw that article, right, and you said, you know what, I want to look into that later and you hit share. Right? Uh-huh. What I think the confusing thing with Facebook is too is that sometimes you'll share something from somebody and their comments come with it. Right. Yep. And then other times or you they share don't. It and they don't. Yeah. Like there's... I yeah. haven't seen I've had to do that. I've had to go back to other comments and then copy and paste because I thought it went over with the mm-hmm. with the page to explain it or to my post. And there was nothing there. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. You didn't even have any like context to it. You, it was just nothing. literally a shared post. Like, and it article. was so interesting because I was getting all this hate mail on it. And people are like, your comment, blah, 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 blah. And I would just respond. I said, what what comment was it that I said that bothered you or that you did not like? What did I say? Because I literally said nothing. Did they respond back to you? When no, you, they would no. never respond <laughs> They're back to me. They're probably surprised that you were like. Yeah. Once I said, I didn't say anything or what comment are you referring to? There's nothing there. I didn't make a comment on it. Now, you got a hate letter from that, right? Oh, I got many hate letters. Did you bring it? That. I did not bring <sighs> that one. No, that one's a different one. But um, but yeah, um, 
but most of them were from out of state. Okay. There was a few that were in state. I actually ended up meeting with a couple of them. Um, I just told them, Hey, look, I'll sit down with you and talk to you about this. Mm -hmm. Cause a lot of people don't know that I used to work in healthcare. Mm -hmm. I have a science degree. I worked in healthcare. I worked for some of the local hospitals here. So I'm not anti-medical or anything along those lines. And then I had three babies that were all preemies. So they were all in the NICU. I had to, you know, I spent a lot of the time in the NICU. So I have this background that a lot of them have no clue. And so they just thought I was out hating on nurses or on the hospitals or just what have you. When I'm like, hey, I've been there. I know what it's like. Um, and so, but just, you know, people jump to conclusions and then the media spins everything so badly you know, and how they um, try to report stories. And um, and so it was just really interesting to see it all play out. But I think the biggest thing was that, um, you know, that you don't even have to say anything. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and people are going to make a story out of it regardless. And well, so, local yeah. media is pretty critical of you. They can in be, the first yes. place. I know. It's weird. <laughs> what, yeah, what, I don't think I'm that controversial. What did you do to like so, stir the pot? I don't know. I really, you know, I, I like freedom. I like truth. I like liberty. You know, those are the things that I stand for. Individual rights, you know, all well, you're that super pro, pro 2A. I am. I'm pro 2A. Um, I'm pro I'm pro quality education, but I want money that's spent in a in a manner that, you know, it's taxpayer money. So I want there to be responsible spending and things. Um, and so, yeah, I guess all those things are controversial now. <laughs> Nowadays in the polarizing they world of politics. Be. They must be, but right. it's all good. Um, and so anyway, yeah, I, I mean, it was unfortunate. I felt, you know, badly for for um, the media making it into such a big ordeal when it when it wasn't. Um, but it taught me a good lesson on, on how to, uh, handle the media from then on. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so that was but good. Didn't you have like a statement that you had put out? Like you went out cause I remember wa I made watching a statement it. and they actually picked apart my statement and used different, I gave them direct quotes and, um, and they picked it all apart and, mm. and put things in different places and made it sound weird, which is just, I just think that's just bad journalism. Yeah, you know, people should know if you have a direct quote, you use the direct quote, you don't break it up. So I just think it's bad journalism. Well, mainstream media nowadays is kind of weird. Yes, it is. It's yeah. definitely that's why people are going to other sources for yeah. their information, because they just don't feel they can trust it anymore. Yeah. Well, actually, that's how Robert kind of got involved. I, I wouldn't necessarily say politically, but involved in activities here in Idaho. Is, yeah. Yeah. Uh, is he started uh, Real Freaking News and. Um, what that was is that was aimed at getting not necessarily what do I think as a conservative or what do I think as a liberal, mm -hmm. just we're going live. Here's what I'm seeing. And he started off with the Black Lives Matter protests, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Wow. So I started off with the Black Lives Matter protests because I kind of wanted to get their views of everything. Yeah. Um, because all you would see on like, you know, KBOI or KTVB was just one a shot five. of the protest mm -hmm. and like, that was it. Right. Um, in fact, actually, I think one night somebody jumped on my live stream. I had like 800 people watching at one point. Oh, wow. Um, and they jumped on there and they're like, Hey, KBOI is showing protesters pushing up against the police and like fighting over top of the police. Oh, wow. And you like show us. And like, I literally walked in between the police line on, um, I guess they were the pro police side uh -huh. and then the BLM side. And you could literally walk around yes. the line. Like, yes. you know, nobody was fighting or anything like that. Now right. there were some like scattered incidences. Little scuffs. 
Yeah. Yeah. I was at the same protest because I love going to, I like having a firsthand view of what's going on because that way I can let people know this is what I saw. This is, this is what was really happening. So it sounds like you were there for the same reason. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I wanted to know. And then Mm -hmm. like some people asked me to go live and then, you know, I went live and everybody like jumped on and started sharing it. And I was like, holy crap. Um, At one point I had like 30,000 views on one video and I was like, wow, this is nuts. You know, and it, it gets back down to the same thing. It's almost like what we're seeing in our elections right now. Where is the integrity in our elections? Where is the integrity in our journalism? Mm-hmm. And so you have a lot of people that have just decided enough with the mainstream media. They're obviously biased. They can't tell the truth. They can't just report the facts and let viewers decide what they think actually happened or what they really believe. They, I mean, I've even had um, news people where it almost sounded like this one gal in particular, it almost sounded like she was my mom scolding me <laughs> for something that I did. And it was the saddest thing. In fact, that one, I actually had a cease and desist sent because of how they had handled things. Really? Mm-hmm. It was really that bad. That's pretty wild. So actually, it, it was, it was really bad. And so, um, yeah. And so it sounded like she was scolding me. So now I call her my mom whenever I <laughs> <hear> her. <laughs> Do you see her often? Not very often, just on, just usually on, I mean, I don't even watch the news. Um, I get my information from a wide array of sources, but I don't watch the same news at all. Mm -hmm. So, but yeah, but you see a lot of people that have just kind of taken that, that active role where they're reporting the news. Now they're showing you what's going on. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think that's great. I think that's just, I think that's exactly what we need in this atmosphere right now is for citizen journalists, so to speak, being able to be there and and showing what's actually transpiring. Because if we didn't, we just have the same, unfortunately, biased media yeah. representation that we've had for the last many years. And we saw a lot of that with, you know, Obama mm-hmm. and a lot of that with Trump. Mm-hmm. And it hasn't changed. It's gotten worse. And now we have censorship going on and we have people getting kicked off of their pages and losing their social platforms. And you know, um, Candace Owens is suing Facebook right now because of the fact checking and everything that they've been Isn't there doing. like a lawsuit out with like 48 different 48, states? 48, yes. Wanting to break up just, Facebook, yes, and Instagram. And that all need, I, yeah. And unfortunately, I think it needs to happen because of where they've taken things in such a direction that there isn't fair, there's not an, a, a level playing field anymore. No, no. no we saw that with, uh, you know, um, Look, they they kicked somebody off of Facebook, right? Mm-hmm. And they had their personal reasons. But at the end of the day, this person was also running for a Senate in a Senate race here in mm-hmm. Idaho. And it impacted their ability to reach out to sure. potential constituents and secure their vote. Um, and we're also seeing it, too. I don't necessarily know that this is they the case. They kicked off his campaign page, too, huh? That's what I was talking about. Yeah. yeah, his personal page is fine. You know, they have their reasons, whatever. But I think when you see that there's a a candidate page attached, you have to approach it in a more delicate way. Right. Mm-hmm. There has to be something there besides hit the execute button. Yeah. Um, and, you know, even, I think that there's even, um, just kind of talking to some people, friends that are on the opposite side of the fence as me politically, right? Um, I was running, going to run some new ads um, on Facebook for a candidate and uh, I could not for the life of me get verified. Oh, yeah. That's, the the that's Facebook really verification. <laughs> well, and I, I had it before on uh-huh. a different account. I yeah. had it to where they processed it. But this election, and I tell you, I did, I don't know, maybe 100 different pictures of your driver's license, of my driver's yep. license. Yep. I scanned it. I did everything I could, and they would not allow it. 
Isn't that crazy? And I you know that was the process to get verified. Though. Yes, it is quite the process. I actually had to go get a document. I had to get a notarized document to yeah. send over this time um, because they couldn't verify my address for yeah. some reason. <laughs> and so I had to go get a notary. But that's the whole that's the whole thing is these platforms, these people like Facebook and these social media places. They need to decide if they're a platform or they're a publisher because they cannot yeah. be both um, because they have special statuses that they're given to be able to operate in the manner that they are based on one criteria, but they can't be in both of them. Right. So, and from, from my, from my point of view, they have moved from being a platform to a publisher because now they're restricting information and they're restricting people's ability. Now I'm all for keeping pornography off, yeah. you know, terrorism, that sort of stuff. Yes, that definitely needs to be sanctioned and, and, and not, you know, uh, put on. Um, but when you have people just giving their opinions about things, um, when you have people that are on a different side of the aisle than you are, and you're going to start censoring them. I mean, YouTube just came out saying if people are putting stuff up having to do with fraud in the elections, that they're going to start removing those videos and stuff. I mean, that's just, that's Orwellian to me. Yeah. To me, yeah. That is way past what they're supposed to be doing. And so Hashtag now they're, 1984. Yeah, and so now they're functioning as a publisher and that is not, they're not protected in the same yeah. way mm -hmm. as what they, sh that, what they should be and they need to fix that now. So. Yeah, I've got to say it's, it was shocking to see every single tweet that the president has put out has, uh, you know, a dispute essentially attached. Yes, to it. Yeah. everything. Doesn't matter what he says, it's disputed. Yeah, you have stuff on the elections right now. So there's something, you know, on the elections, there's something on, on COVID. Um, I've even seen now where there was a picture someone sent out. It had Santa Claus um, kind of praying next to a manger with baby Jesus in it. And they censored that saying that it was, <laughs> it was, um, almost like pornography type stuff. I mean, where you had the, the hidden thing and you have to click on it so you can actually see what the picture is. I mean, just weird stuff. And so, yeah, so we definitely, there needs to be changes, um, because to me it's going into an Orwellian type mentality and that's not good for anybody. I got warned from Facebook. I did too, from a post I put on almost a year ago, like over a year ago. And you know what? It wouldn't show me what the post was. Mm -hmm. It just told me it was from a year, from over a year ago. Well, what's funny is mine was literally a dog coming through a couch. It was like a poofy dog and it just poked its head out. And that's all it was. It was like oh, the yeah? cutest like little gif. And I'm like, share. Uh, and then they're like, this goes against community guidelines. And I'm like, wait, what? Wow. Yeah. Like, what community guidelines are these? Yeah. I tried to dispute it. And they're like, they're like, nope, our decision is final. I'm like, what? That's crazy. Yeah. So mine didn't even give me an opportunity to dispute it. It just said it was going to give me a warning that it wouldn't take any action, but that it was a post from a year, from over a year ago and that it violated community standards. Like well, I can't go live on my real freaking news right now. Basically, really? yeah, because they so they blocked me for 30 days from commenting on groups and they blocked me for 90 days from going live on my personal Facebook. And that, I guess, dragged into wow. my yes. yeah, my page. Wow. Yep, it happens. It's crazy. I've never actually been in Facebook jail, which knock on wood, I guess. I don't know how that's happened. Not yet. Not yet. <laughs> not yeah. Yet. And it's not a challenge for Facebook or anything. But <laughs> challenge um, accepted. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm just waiting. Yeah, they're like, but, waiting. Yeah, but that's why you have all these people that have gone over to Parler and MeWe mm -hmm. and these other platforms that are actually open to be able to you know, be yourself, do, you know, uh, talk how, how you would like post things that you would like. And, uh, and they're not limiting, you know, limiting you on your ability to do so. so. That's, that's one thing I worry about with Facebook, especially with like all the algorithms and things like that, mm -hmm. that it creates echo chambers on oh, both sides absolutely. to further polarize people. 
It does. And there's some really good documentaries that are out now that talk about how they're able to do that. And it's really scary. Yes. <laughs> yeah, there's that Netflix one, the well, social media or something like that. Yeah. Or the social dilemma. Social, social dilemma. dilemma. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that. And that does tell you a lot about what they're doing. Mm-hmm. And yes, it's it's very Orwellian. Well, <laughs> I, I think to make it even worse, right? Mm-hmm. With that polarization and with separating everybody like that, it's fueling those fires that you guys stated. Then they go and they just massively get rid of tons of conservatives. Oh, sure. Tons of them. So any conspiracy theories that might have been floating around, I mean, there's probably some of these people now are validating this QAnon thing and just being like, this is real. (laughs) Oh, my God. You know, you know. Well, a lot of it started with Alex Jones. You know, he was one of like the first ones to get kicked off of the platforms because of the things that they didn't like him saying. And, you know, yeah, he's 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 out there a little bit. But why is that a problem? Why can he not you know, give those points of views? You look at Alex Jones and like 10 percent of what he said actually came true. Right. And the the 90 percent other part was him blowing what that 10 percent out of proportion. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, I mean, he's trying to, you know, keep an audience and keep Mm -hmm. people entertained. And there's that whole factor into it. So why not let people still hear him out and decide for themselves? And I think that's that leads me to another issue is that we become so um, I call us surface readers. We only look at the we only skim the surface of mm-hmm. things anymore. Mm-hmm. And I think it's because we've been kind of programmed to only look so deep. And so we don't do any more research and and look into things even more than what we should. Yeah. And but, you know, that's people should be able to do that. They should have that prerogative to be able to take information in discern on what they think is you know truth or false or where they stand on the issue and then go from there that should be for them yeah now going back to the election because we talked Mm -hmm. about that for slightly um you guys you and uh lieutenant governor janice mcgeechan right is that you pronounce her name Mm mcgeechan mcgeechan i always pronounce her name wrong yeah always it looks different yeah oh yeah um heather scott there was a couple others uh senators legislators Right. Are you talking about Texas? The amicus bill. Did yeah. I pronounce it right? Amicus brief. Mm-hmm. Oh, the amicus brief. brief. I always. Yep. I don't know amicus why I always say brief. bill. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, so what's happening right now is that Texas decided to file a suit. Mm-hmm. Um, it goes back to the integrity in the election. Was things done constitutionally? Um, were voters disenfranchised? Um, and uh, and they opened it up where other states could um, join on to to that um, case. Um, and so uh, it started with just a few states and then it grew um, last night. I think it was up to 17. And then today, I think it's up to 22. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of all your normal, typical red states. Um, so several of us started talking about we should be part of this. You know, even though Idaho did great, we you know, we we did this. But still, voters in Idaho, if others, if five other states cheated on how they were supposed to do their voting it actually disenfranchises everyone else throughout the nation and i think that's different in this lawsuit than what you've seen on a lot of right others. right exactly and so you know that was that was an important aspect to us because we um have talked about you know integrity in elections and they should be done properly so uh so we talked and discussed on how could we join uh, this case and so we first um contacted our attorney general and uh, one of our senators actually did and got a response back from his office saying that absolutely not. They were not going to be joining on to that. So, OK, that's fine. So we decided we'll just find another way. To do did they it. give a reason why um, they were saying how they don't 
think it's right that other states, you know, kind of butt into our state and they didn't want to start setting a precedence for other states to be able to dictate what our state's doing and yada, yada, which, okay, I agree on that premise, but right. we're kind of talking about a different thing here. I see this in a different aspect. Again, we have other states that actually affected the outcome of the voters in our state. So that's my, my, my position. So um, some of our other representatives started um, finding, we needed to find an attorney, an attorney that we that could represent our state. And so we did, and they're actually representing a few others. I think there's three. Um, I think it's us, Arizona, and I want to say Montana, possibly. Um, but there's three. And so um, this all happened like yesterday. It was really, really fast. And um, they hurried and put an amicus brief together, which is basically a, kind of a friends of the court letter um, just stating that we are standing with Texas in their pursuit. This is why. This is what we want to see happen. And, and you know, I'm, kind I'm of glad you explained it like you did because I'm, I'm not the most intelligent <laughs> of people. Okay. Legal, legal stuff gets crazy. So. Does it attach you to the case? Yes. Okay. So it attaches us to a case in, in a roundabout way. So, um, so anyway, um, so we had a deadline to be able to, you know, people that wanted to sign on to it to get their names in. And like I said, there was a bunch of stuff going on and, and these attorneys, God bless them. They were working really, really hard to get everything put together. Um, some of us accidentally got left off of it that had signed on to it. And so now we're working on a possible amendment to add those people on because, they did. I'm one of them. Um, we did send our information, our email in saying we wanted to be part of it by the deadline. And so um, they're working really hard and I don't blame anybody for it whatsoever. I know there was a lot going on, but we're very excited to be able to get Idaho on board with that. I've mm -hmm. heard from I probably answered 50 emails last night of people saying, please, Idaho needs to do this. Idaho needs to stand with Texas. Um, we need to make sure our elections are run fairly. Um, and so I was responding to everybody last night, um, letting them know that, you know, there was stuff in the works to, you know, there'd be information coming out. So, um, so yeah, so it should be really interesting. Um, there might be some more states that will be signing on. Um, and I know that the Idaho GOP is also looking at doing an amicus brief. There actually might end up being three or four by the time we're done from Idaho. From Idaho from different alone? Wow. Groups, different organizations. We're going to start our own. We're gonna start yes, our amicus yeah. brief. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, what's happening at home? <laughs> amicus brief. Yeah. So, um, so it's good. It's positive um, because you know I, I wish our AG would have gone ahead and done it. It would have, I think, looked better for him to have done it. Now, how does it attach you guys? You said it kind of in a roundabout way. Yeah. So we're not like direct. So because Idaho wasn't impacted like directly, it was okay. impacted because of what was happening in these other states. So. So, and, and you can go online, I'll have it posted where you can go and read it and it'll kind of give you all the nuts and bolts to it. Now, is that on your website, right? Um, I'll have it on my Facebook. Your Facebook? So, okay. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, Representative Scott did a video to kind of explain it in a little bit more detail on how it's actually working, what we're doing. But um, yeah, I'm excited for it. I, I, I've been asking, I mean, I've attended different rallies um, uh, in Idaho and in, in Boise and um, asking for you know, our Republicans to support the president and his efforts to make sure that an election was ran fairly, that legal votes were counted. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we want to make sure that uh, these states, um, that uh, that they did what they're supposed to do and that they didn't do things with um, outside of their limits. They were, um, you know, they have limits on how they're supposed to run elections. 
and most of them are constitutional. And so we want to make sure that that was all done appropriately. Yeah. So and I think that's what, like I said, that's what's different from this um, lawsuit than what you've seen in some of like the local mm-hmm. di- uh, district courts and things like that, where sure. they're just kind of thrown out. Yeah. And this is this all goes to the Supreme Court. Yeah. So it kind of skips all those other steps. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's something that and this is new. And and I know that if the Supreme Court does take it up, that Ted Cruz has already said that he will he will sign on as the attorney to represent Texas. for that. You know, I think so. Joe Rogan put it best. Ted Cruz doing that. Or was it you that put this out? Ted Cruz, uh, um, uh, what's it called? Representing mm-hmm. Texas and all that. And then uh, what's the other guy's name from Texas? Uh, has the weird name. What uh, was he? Huh? <laughs> what was he? <laughs> uh, he's a Democrat. Uh, oh. Want to take all the guns? Oh, Beto. Yes, oh, Beto yeah. O'Rourke on the other side. Uh huh. Just watch him duke it out. That'd be interesting. That would be it? interesting. Yeah. You could almost pay per view that. That's you what could. I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And you pay per view that, and you take that revenue and put and it somewhere. Yeah. yeah COVID absolutely. relief. Split sti- it in half and stimulus checks, something. Costs. You know, something yeah. like that. Yeah, I think it would be awesome. <laughs> Right. You'd probably get some good viewership. So. Oh, yeah. So, yeah. So we'll see how that all pans out. Um, like I said, a lot of this just came within the last few days, even for the other states that signed on from early on. Just within this week has has it all started happening. So but I, I like seeing the states come together and and say, yeah, we're all in this together. You know, we want to if you really want to be in something all together, that's a good one to do. So, yeah. Yeah. Now, so the legislator sets the the rules essentially right for the elections coming up, or like sets sets yeah, the so laws. Yeah, so if there's changes that need to take place, it is supposed to be done by the legislative and, body. And you guys were called up in August in order to. Yeah, we didn't get to participate in the changes that were made. Oh, voting <laughs> in the primary because uh, you know in the in the primary it was all by absentee ballot. Right. Um, we didn't make any of those changes. We were told that it was okay for us not to make those changes. Now, is that against the law to do that, or I don't think it was constitutional. Right, that's my opinion. Um, I know that the AG gave their opinion on that, but I, I really don't feel that that's the intent of the law. Right. So that's my personal opinion because now that's what we're seeing that happen in Texas. Is right. That their legislature did not make those changes, and they have the same type of thing that we do in Idaho. And now it's going to court. So, yeah, so I don't think it was done correctly. Do you think it would go to court here? Um, I think it's kind of too late on that yeah. um, because it was done in the primary. So that was back in you know May, June. Um, this was this is the one in Texas is specifically the general election. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, now, as far as the general election here, do you think that that might have any effect on it? Uh, no, I no. don't think so. Mm-mm. No, that election was ran. Um, fairly normal. Um, they did limit some of the polling uh, locations. There were a few little changes here and there, but um, not anything that was outside of their abilities, really. So now, so when you guys met in August, what was what was the meeting supposed to be for? So in August, we had a special session. So we right. had, we'd been asking the governor to bring us back into session for months um, because the legislature our only job that we actually have to do constitutionally is to appropriate money. That is our only job. We don't have to pass any other bills. We don't have to do any other thing. And we saw all this money coming in. And, and not only that, but we saw 
the different needs within our districts um, of what was happening in our districts um, at that time. Mm -hmm. And so we really felt that the legislature should be involved. We should have a, a say at the table. There should be a place for us at the table to be able to make these decisions that are going on and especially about the money. And um, we could not get the governor to call us back into session. We're one of 14 states, I believe, that has no mechanism to be able to do that. Really? Yeah, which is unfortunate. <laughs> I mean, I understand it in the sense that you don't want the legislature just to be able to willy nilly call themselves in the session over right. really silly little things. This is not one of those things. Right. This has, a, has been a big deal and it's affected each of our districts um, in different ways. And and so we really want to be and, and our constituents were asking, where's our representation? Why are we not being represented? And so. You know, it was important to many of us that we were able to do that. So finally, we were able to um, have the governor call us back into session. But we were given very specific constitutionally. This is how it works. We were given very specific things that we could um, work on. Mm -hmm. And so we did do some of them like we passed a, um, a, a bill that had to do with immunity for businesses and churches and things like that with COVID so that because that was one of the things we were hearing that schools couldn't reopen because they might get sued if someone gets COVID or businesses might be held accountable. So I was going to ask you, yeah. like, what's the thought process behind that? Because like on the surface, it looks like, why, why would you pass something like that? Right. But deeper down is where you start seeing. Yeah. And that's what we were hearing. And so we're like, okay, well, we'll pass something to protect the schools, the churches, the businesses from having any liability. If someone ends up with COVID first, we're thinking, how are you even going to prove that you got COVID from a certain location? Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, that's that's by itself very difficult to do, if not impossible. So but we wanted them to feel comfortable with opening things back up. So we did pass that. Um, we did pass the uh, on the voting that um, the next election would guarantee in person voting, um, because that was another concern we'd been hearing is that people were not comfortable just mailing in their ballots. They wanted mm -hmm. to be able to go in. I person. wasn't comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. No, they want to be in person and be able to make sure their ballot was counted <coughs> correctly. And then the third thing we ended up doing, which was a little stretch, but hey, why not? Was to, um, we did a joint resolution to end the emergency order because we see this emergency order just continuing to roll on and on and on and on. And I really don't think that was the intent of the law either. Right. This. Yeah. And there are different legal opinions that either agree with what the governor's doing or disagree with what the governor's doing. And so to me, I don't believe that that was what they were trying to, to allow happening, that you just have this continual 60 day, 60 day, 60 day. So it was a joint resolution with the Senate to be able to end that. Well, uh, it passed the House just fine, and then the Senate would not take it up. There's many stories on why they wouldn't take it up. Um, so, you know, pick one and, <laughs> and run with it. But um, it would have been nice if we could have done that because it would have ended the emergency order. And that is what people were wanting to see happening, too, was to end that emergency order. So those were the three main things that we did while we were in session. Um, to me, if they could have done the joint resolution, passed the emergency order, even if they legally challenged it, then let the courts decide on that and you know have it out there. That's fine. Um, but those were those were our, our main three that we came in to do and that's how it kind of turned out so well and the media definitely went after you guys oh my too. goodness and they were flipping out because we didn't have masks or we want social distancing and then you know the democrats you know we wanted people to feel comfortable so they could wear masks if they wanted to and then 
They also added plexiglass to their floor seats. And then there were some issues in the committees or some, I think one in particular left at one time because they were not comfortable sitting by people. And, and so then they were out in the hall and anyway, but, um, you know, we just had our reorganization and, uh, and did that. And it was very similar. People were there. We were talking somewhere mass. Some didn't, there's still the plexiglass that they wanted, you know, whatever. <laughs> that's <laughs> the plexiglass and the uh, plexiglass. I'm wondering how much that costs though, really. That's yeah. That's the other question. Costs. Yeah. You know, if mass works so well, why would you put, plexiglass? why do you need the plexiglass? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. Well, it me. almost seems pointless too, unless yeah. everybody's using one. Right? Yeah. Right. Somebody sitting right behind you. If they cough, they're going to hit the back it's going to go through your skin that way yeah and they did put in like there's now hepa filters in, mm-hmm. in the different rooms mm-hmm. and everything and so they've done some stuff here at the capitol there's lines down the middle you know for like physical distancing i just said i'm just going to walk down all the middle lines i'll just walk all the lines next so. thing you know they're gonna have like tanks up in the top and like hoses down you have to cover your mouth yeah, and break that like, they have on the airplane. like darth vader <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> do you it think, could get crazy do you think um with all this, this is going to change how uh, in-person testifying is going to be in mm-hmm. committees? It, you know, I haven't heard exactly how they're going to be handling that yet. Um, you know, they started before COVID, they started doing some uh, telecommute type stuff where people yeah. could testify online, especially if they were from far away, because that was a challenge that we had is that, you know, everything's conducted here in Boise, but if you have Northern Idaho that want to participate, I mean, that's eight, nine hours away, you know, if you drive and if not, then you're flying. And so how is it fair for them up there that they can't get people down here? And, and you know, and things change. You'll have a, a hearing that's coming up on a certain bill and it's supposed to happen on such and such day at such and such time. And then right before it's supposed to happen, they postpone it till yeah. the next day or, you know, two days later or whatever it is. And so that's not, you know, how do we get those people involved when you have that sort of stuff going on. Yeah. Yeah. So, so they started doing that. Yeah. They started doing some, some, um, stuff where people could call in and through zoom or whatever they were using. Um, so I have not heard exactly what they're doing. I know that if you go into some of the committee rooms, um, they usually have like chairs all stacked, you know, close to each other. You have rows and now there's like a table with a chair and another table over here with a chair. And so it's all limited. Um, I hope people are still able to come and participate in person. I think that's one of the frustrations that people have. You see it with the health districts and with city council meetings and school board meetings where they have basically eliminated mm-hmm. public meetings. Well, look at the central district health meeting exactly, the other day. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And that's part of the frustration. People know that these meetings are supposed to allow the public to be able to be there and also to give testimony and you're eliminating that. And so people are getting frustrated because where's, where is their ability to represent? Where is their ability to speak and say something? And, and to you know, talk to their representatives or talk to these unelected um, people that are on these boards. Um, where is that? It's all disappeared, and I think that is such a, a travesty. Um, you know, in the governmental process where you eliminate public meetings, that's that's so wrong. And I think people have are feeling the frustration on them. Do you think that frustration kind of boiled over, um, especially what two nights ago? Was it Chantel? Yeah. T- Tuesday night. District Health. Yeah. Where, you know, you had a couple people uh, from an unnamed organization, I should say, uh, go to a, a committee member's house. 
You know, there have been, um, yeah, I, I think it is part of that. And just part also, I mean, they're trying to disrupt the meeting because they don't want them voting on additional mandates. People right. are sick and tired of that. So, you know, you can only push people so far and then they're going to start pushing back. And um, and I, I made a post on my Facebook saying, you know, what what do these people think is going to happen? That they can just continue yeah. to add on all these mandates and people are just going to gladly accept them. No, that's not how this is going to work at all. And people are done. They are done with this. They're done with the restrictions. They're done with the mandates. Of course, you have a small percentage, as we saw. I think they maybe had a a dozen people show up that were part of this new organization that are pro-mask, pro-mandates, want everything locked down and shut down still. But no, the the majority of people are just done. They want to get back to regular life, living their life. They know the risks. They know what the, what's going on. They will do what's necessary to protect themselves. Um, but yeah, but there's been lots of protests that have happened, you know, in the last several years in front of people's homes. Um, I personally <coughs> don't want to protest in front of people's homes because yeah. I don't want them to come and protest in front of mine. But I understand the mentality with it. I understand right. the frustration and I understand when you are, are um, alienating people from being able to go into a public meeting and being able to do what they need to do there, what other options are they given? You know, I think uh, a friend of mine on Facebook said it best when he said uh, government has no problem coming to your house. Right. And harassing you. But they <laughs> but, but they have a problem when you come to theirs. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, you know, I, when I first saw the whole thing, I thought, man, that's, that's not appropriate behavior. And I, I still agree with that. But mm-hmm. at the same time, I reviewed the video. And to be yeah. fair to those people, they never went on that person's property. They didn't. Property. I watched yeah. it too. I they watched the video too. chalked the sidewalk. Mm-hmm. Uh, they were loud and, and obnoxious. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and they thought that they were, I, they thought that that person was home. Yeah. yeah that's um, my only issue is I, I the don't, kids. Yeah. I don't think that, that they, because that there's been a lot of people that have been having these meetings and they're doing it from their yeah. home. Yeah. Right. And that's where a lot of these people have been in the past. And so I really think that they felt that they thought that they were at home. Um, you know, and so it was unfortunate, you know, you don't want kids to get roped into things involved in that sort of stuff. And I can see how it can be scary for kids, but, um, but I really think that it is out of pure frustration. Yeah. 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 People are pissed. I mean, there's, there's no other way to put it. I mean, our life has drastically changed and, and you see it, you know, everybody tried, I mean, and it just seems like every time we turn around, Mm -hmm. we're getting told a little bit more, a little bit more. Yeah. You know, the, the two weeks, the 14 days, mm-hmm. hey, stay home. Look, I don't like staying home. I'm right. one of those people. I want to get out. I want to go. Yeah. But, you know, damn it. I did, I did we it. Were all, we were all like, yes, okay, we we'll can get do on this board. for a little two bit, weeks. right? Yeah, two but, weeks. And then two more weeks. Okay, we can do another two weeks, right? Tammy, mm-hmm. and, and I think I told you this because we're friends, right? Mm-hmm. The the mental health issues are huge. Sure. And, you know, we're, we're actually seeing suicides rice yep. in the united states and attempted suicides and and as you know in my in my family we've we've had an issue sure um with mental health yeah and i think that it's really become uh exacerbated because of all these restrictions oh absolutely and so, no one's talking about it nope, no one nope. wants to address how these if you want to call them unintended consequences are occurring i mean we have an increase in hunger we have an mm-hmm. increase again in depression and suicide and people not getting health care that they're needing. So there's now an increase in cancer. And in fact, I just saw, and I think it was South Africa, they're now saying that they're going to have 
such a huge malaria outbreak, it's going to surpass COVID oh, by, wow. by a ton. So we have all these things that are compiling and being added upon and increasing because of the things that we're implementing just for COVID, where there's yeah. a 98.9% recovery rate. Mm-hmm. And we're, we're taking all these actions and we're going to have all these things that we're going to have to deal with down the road. And they're going, this is when I say that the cure is worse than the virus. And I really believe that. I yeah. think we're going to have all these things that have to contend with for years to come, not only financially, but, you know, I mean, there's just so many different categories. And, and I think the fact of the matter is, as Dana White <laughs> said it best, president of UFC, he said, we're all going to get it. Yeah. Let's just be honest with ourselves. Yeah. Let's, let's admit we're all going to catch COVID at some point. It's just a matter of when. And but, absolutely. And yeah. I wish there would be more focus on how you can take preventative measures yeah. mm-hmm. and how you can build your immunity. Cause we don't hear this either. There's not, there, it's always just mass mm-hmm. distancing and hand washing and that's, that's it. And lockdown. Small part. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that you could be doing to mm-hmm. help your, we have immune systems for a reason. Mm-hmm. Our immune systems are to help our bodies combat viruses and bacteria and different things. Yeah. And yet there's no talk on how to, you know, take vitamins to be able to get rest, to exercise, to do these things, to make your body and your immune system healthy. So it can do that for you. Yep. And it's just, it boggles my mind that everything has to be about those three things. And then now also to get the vaccine and yep. that's it mm-hmm. and nothing about how you can take preventative measures. Right. Well, I, I think for a lot of people, there's a lot of fear because uh, what they're announcing now, you know, newer in the last week is, uh, we've in Idaho surpassed a thousand deaths, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we also have it to where fifty uh, percent of tests are coming back positive. But you know, I, my wife, uh, we were kind of talking about just like, oh my goodness, fifty percent. I said, well, <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb and say, you know, Idahoans are they're pretty tough, mm-hmm. and they just kind of want to you know get better and get through stuff. For the most part, I, I'm not necessarily sure that people are going out and saying, yeah, I'm feeling a little bit like I got a cold. Yeah, I should go get tested. And, and I think we did see that. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, there has early been. on. Yeah, there has mm-hmm. been. You know, I have the sniffles. I better go get tested. They're relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> go to uh, if you want to see how different it is. You remember when it first came out? I mean, you saw people in hazmat suits driving the car. I mean, uh-huh. like, freaking out. It yeah. was, it was yeah. crazy. And you thought this is going to be the norm. Mm-hmm. Go to uh, <laughs> I don't know if I should say Salter Medical. Uh, Tommy Alquist's mm-hmm. own business, who is pushing for all these things, go in there and take a uh, coronavirus test. The person will, you know, I'll tell you the experience I had. Okay. You go in there and you say, "Oh, you know, well, I thought it was going to have to be out in the parking lot, but no, no, it's not. It's not that big of a deal. Come on." And you're sitting down, you know, in these normal seating areas that everybody else who's waiting is going to be coming and sitting. Right. Then you go and I mean, it's not that, you know, that uh, fear. It doesn't seem like they're living with that anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yet when you hear things from the media, it sounds fear like based. Yeah, the apocalypse. Crazy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it is, I call it fear porn and that people <laughs> <laughs> that what? fear porn. Yeah. That, that they get people addicted to yeah. this fear persona and <laughs> fear porn. Yeah. And they're just addicted to it and they like thrive on it and can't live without it. It seems like it's unfortunate because I think it has put people into a state of mind. I mean, I know some people 
that were good friends of mine and they have completely bought into all of this stuff. And I'm like, do you hear what you're saying? I mean, right. does this really make sense to you. Um, and it's just so unfortunate. And it's not that we're saying that there's no virus or right. that, it, you know, it doesn't, it's it, that it is easy to catch and, you know, and all this stuff. But again, 98.9% of people are not, are going to, are they're, they're going to recover. And they're even showing now where people that came down with it, they're even saying back in September, October of last year, that they still have the immunity in their blood, that they're mm -hmm. still immune almost a year, you know, over a year later. Interesting. And, um, and so, and, and the testing again, there is no consensus on the testing. I've heard all sorts of different things about the testing and how there's false positives and false negatives. Yeah, boy, and, Elon Musk yeah. did that. He took four tests yes. in the same day and two of them came back negative. Yep. And two came back positive. I yep. saw a person that I know that's in the hospital right now with the symptoms and they have tested negative every single time that they have tested them. Uh -huh. Yet their wife, who has hardly any symptoms, tested positive. Yep. So it's just it's the crazy thing. And anytime you have this sort of stuff, there is money to be made. I don't care who you are, what you want to tell me. There is money to be made in it somehow, mm -hmm. either yeah. through the testing or through the vaccine or just whatever the case may be. There's money to be made. And so someone is is getting something out of it. So, yeah, it's unfortunate. I really, um, you know, I think people should just. They need to do their research. They need to look. And again, you know, we look at areas like New York and California where they have had very strict mandates. They have had all these lockdowns going on and their numbers are going up just yeah. as much. And um, then you have South Dakota that's hardly taken anything whatsoever. You know, uh, Governor uh, no, no, no. Um, has been able to just she said people are making their own decisions. We're yeah. not going to tell them what to do. And they're not that bad off. Yeah. I think it's important to recognize that, yes, the virus is real. Um, the problem is, is we don't know what the proper or right response is. I think if we knew, mm -hmm. I think we could all agree, hey, let's go ahead and take those steps. This, let's get this eliminated. But, I mean, with everything, it's it's all guesswork sure. at this point. And, you, and I think individually, it comes back down to that. Individually, you have to decide where is, where is your line. How right. far are you willing to go into these things? And, and you have to make those decisions and live with it. Right. Yep. And and we do know that it's not going away. No, we no. have to live with it. But we cannot live in this state doing what we're doing for the rest of our lives. It's just it's it's ridiculous to think that that is what we would be doing, that we're going to continue with, you know, face masks and lockdowns and picking essential and non-essential businesses and all that sort of stuff. We just can't do that. Well, it blows my mind. So I have friends that are on the other side of the aisle um, and they uh, tend to want lockdowns. Mm -hmm. Right. But there are also people that are allowed to work from home. Right. Right. So you look at people that are like welders and, and construction workers, stuff like that. Like, mm -hmm. what are they going to do? Are they going to build a house in their house? Right. Like, exactly. or weld in their, in their garage? Yeah, so like, it might not be affecting them the same way. And I think that's part of the problem is that, you know, a lot of people have a mindset. It's a me mentality. Mm -hmm. It's about me. How is it affecting me? And they don't put themselves into other people's shoes thinking, oh, this is really, you know, they're really having to struggle with this. Oh, just lock us down. Keep us locked down. I can work from home. Well, what about those people that can't? What about, yep. you know, I mean, our even our grocery store people, you know, they've been out working this whole time and they haven't, you know, locked them down. In fact, my grocery store has been hiring people because of the increased demand that they've had. Or for a cell phone company. A I work for a cell phone company. We were labeled as essential and they kept us open the entire time. Yeah. So I was working the entire time while yeah. I had friends that, um, you know, work in big box stores that um, they, they closed down those stores because they just weren't essential. Yeah. Yeah. They're actually crazy. so busy. They're opening a star location. Are they? 
Ridley's. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. right. Uh, yeah. I have a, a friend who's actually training to become a manager over there when it opens. So yeah. he's over at the Middleton that's location. Right. So. Yep. Yep. So they are. And uh, and so that's that's what's been interesting about this whole thing is, is you know, the mindset and the way that people look at things. But, yeah, just because it's not affecting you doesn't mean it's not affecting someone else in a negative yeah. way. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think uh, I think. Well, and it's going to be kind of weird with the vaccine being what days out is what they're talking mm-hmm. about now. Um, the vaccine rolling out. Do you think it might change some like perspective or do you think it's going to polarize people more? <sighs> you know, I think. I, I can see where it could cause further polarization. Um, I will be one of the last people to get that vaccine if forced to. <laughs> I'm not planning on getting it. Um, but uh, I think you're going to have a, a percentage of the population there that are going to feel like that's the savior to this whole thing. Mm-hmm. And that they will, as soon as they can take it, then everything will be over. But we've already been told that even with the vaccine, um, that we're still going to be looking at masks and, and, you know, physical distancing and all this other stuff, which that wasn't the narrative a few months ago from what I remember. It was like, oh, as soon as we have the vaccine, everything will go back to yeah. normal. Yeah. Um, and that's what I see happening a lot, too, is you see these narratives that continue to change over time and uh, and it makes it hard to trust what's being said. But um, but, yeah, I think you're going to have that percentage. You'll have the percentage that. Well, I'm going to wait a few years still because I want to see kind of what it does. It's pretty new. It hasn't had a lot of research. It is the fastest vaccine that's ever been developed. Um, And then you're going to have another percentage where they're just like me. I'm not doing it. I'm not getting it. So do you think something like that would come into the um, in the middle of session? Because that's what it's looking like. It's going to be in the middle Mm -hmm. of session. Do you think uh, any kind of bill or mandate might come in? In the middle of session? I think there could very well be. Yeah. 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 I think it's going to be one of those issues that we need to, um, we know it's going to get to us eventually. Um, it's just a matter of time. So it might be a good time to, to discuss that. So, and I know people do not, I mean, the majority of people do not want mandated vaccinations. No. Um, there. There's a very large yeah, population that doesn't. There is a huge population. And I you know I kind of steal the left's, um, you know, motto of my body, my choice. Yep. So, um, yeah. So I'm, yeah, I'm not doing it. I don't want you to tell me what I can put into my body. Um, and I don't want you injecting me with stuff that I don't want to be. And this, like I said, this vaccine is totally different. It's a different development. Um, it's a um, mRNA, I believe. And that's a whole different category category of of strand and structure Mm -hmm. it does have from what i've been told it does have fetal tissue in it so that's a huge thing for a lot of people um and so yeah there's just there's just a lot of elements where i'm just it it doesn't give me the warm fuzzy feelings that you know i would want to have to be able to actually put it in my body like with a flu shot or something like that i don't even get a flu shot you don't get a flu shot no I don't even do okay. it. Okay. I don't either. No? No, I don't. It's been a couple of years since I got a flu shot. <laughs> I did at one time. I did because I had NICU babies and they recommended that, you know, we get flu shots. So I did. I took the advice and did do it. But I haven't had one in at least probably 12 or 12 or so years. So. Military would line us up and be like, oh, no. yeah. Military. Well, you they also give you an anthrax one. Yeah. Yeah. And anthrax <laughs> and yeah. the peanut butter shots and all that. You know, they just line you up. You just yeah. get everything. Yeah. With the gun and they just put it in you and pull the trigger. And yeah. That's why my son didn't go in the military because he hates shots. <laughs> Actually, that was probably the funniest experience I ever went through. It was really? going through reception and watching like these big, burly, grown men, and they're all like, "I'm the toughest guy out here." And then as soon as they like get injected, they're just like, <laughs> "Yeah, I don't know what happened. I just did a small needle." Yeah. Yeah. No. Nope. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. Um, 
you know, they've, they have, and they haven't ran the same studies as they normally do on vaccines, yeah. right. especially animal studies. And that is a little concerning and, to me too. And I mean, they're exempt. They're exempt from any, any liability. Liability. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, 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 that's the pharmaceutical that companies yeah. are all exempt from any liability. Because yeah. even if you have a good vaccine, you just have a bad batch in that vaccine mm-hmm. that could actually harm people. Right. Like, Oh, absolutely. No, they removed that from the pharmaceutical companies. I think it was back in either the late 60s, or early 70s, yeah. right in there. And uh, but they do have a slush fund for vaccine injured individuals that they can, you know, apply to receive money that the government has, you know, stored in a coffer um, if they are injured. So really? Yep. Yeah. Sorry, I made your brain dead. Yeah. Here's a thousand dollars. Exactly. Thank you. Come again. <laughs> Thank you. Come again. <laughs> yeah. 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 And, and I'm not anti-vaccination either. I mean, mm. my kids have had shots. I am just selective on yeah. what, what we, that's what fair. we do. So, yeah. You know, that's funny. My, my wife, uh, she's pro-vaccination. Mm-hmm. Uh, all my kids get all their shots. Uh, I choose not to get the flu shot because the years that I've taken it is when I've gotten the when flu really bad. When you got really the flu. Bad. Yeah. <laughs> when I don't you take it. You got that other 50%. Yeah. I just go and I get vitamin C and I just pop that oh, throughout yeah. the winter. And that usually yeah. um, helps out a lot. It, and it could be that that just would have worked out that way if I had gotten the flu shot or not. Um, but what I think is interesting as far as that this whole coronavirus thing goes is how a lot of people are thinking about these things more. Mm-hmm. A lot of people are actually becoming concerned about like, Bill Gates being involved in uh-huh. developing yeah. a vaccination. Yeah. And then you have all these people who were pro-vaccination now moving to not anti-vax, but a lot of them are saying, I'm not anti-vax, I'm pro-safe vaccination. Right. So I think because of how quickly this is being uh, pushed out, uh, people are wanting to wait, you know, and yeah. be fourth or fifth that's round up to that. That's logical. Polarization. That's right kind of where my, yeah. that's where I kind of hope that it's, my kids will be. Yeah. Because uh, I know my wife is going to want them to all get that in. And uh, I have to research it um, personally for me. Uh, the baby tissue is kind of kind of my line. Yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, outside of that, I'll research it um, and probably be you know round five or six. Right? Yeah. Same. Two well, and I think now. it's very. I mean, that's very logical. And I think another thing is that there should be informed consent. You should know what is in that yeah. vaccination, and they'll give you usually a list, like a paper, a handout. But that's not actually the insert that's actually in the vaccination right. package. You want to look at that one. That's the one that you actually want to look at because they'll give you a paper with just kind of the generalities of it. Um, but that's not what you really want to look at. You want to look at the actual insert within the package. And it's hard to actually get them to give that to you. Mm. So so I'm pro-informed consent. I want yeah. people to know what they're getting. Well, you know, Bill Gates back in his probably like a big thing too because i mean he made windows and windows gets viruses all the time so <laughs> so it's not the best person and he doesn't have any type of medical background himself so. right so yeah so it's not the best person to be developing those yeah mm-hmm. well I, th- I think to to be a little fair i'm, I'm gonna play devil's advocate here i mean he's got gazillion more dollars. money than you'll ever need <laughs> yeah. more yep. money than i mean he has enough money to give everybody in the world mm-hmm. at least one dollar oh yeah yeah uh, at least if that was back in i think 99 he was able to do that so, so. it has to be up to five now yeah least. exactly yeah five dollars yep. five dollars each yeah <laughs> hey here's five dollars yeah take my vaccination and he'd still have money left over probably. so you know to be fair to him i i would imagine that somebody who has that kind of money you know decides hey i want to do philanthropy i want to you know help the world and leave it in a better place and he has done some interesting things yeah uh, that are actually really cool uh Gross, but cool, depending on what part of the world you're in. He created a toilet that composts, does this whole thing. 
uh, take crap piss and it creates clean water. Oh, the to drink? It? Yes. <laughs> and it's, but hold on. Yes, you and I, we're going to say no to this. But this is being placed in different parts of the world, like um, deep Sahara, deep in, Third you know, world. exactly places where they don't have access to wells or water. Right. So yeah. in that instance. Which is pretty cool. He has done some great things. I do have concern about his talks on depopulation. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. yeah. That's, that's that is a little thing concerning. Too. You got to flip the um, yep. Yeah. I can't say that he's 100% bad, um, but that does concern me in regards to a, a vaccine as well. Yeah. So, so again, I think you have to go back to informed consent and really, you know, understand what you're putting into your body and to make sure that you, you agree and you understand with what's going into your body. Right. Absolutely. So, well, yeah. the trick to a good immune system. You just die inside. You, know, <laughs> you can't get sick if you're dead. <laughs> you can true. vote, though. You can vote, though. Just not get That's sick. That's right. Yeah. You can still vote if you're dead. It's all good. Yeah. No, but that does go back to the importance of keep, you know, keeping yourself healthy. And, you know, we're not out banning, you know, fast food restaurants or sodas or anything like that. So, um, so. I do wish McDonald's would open their lobbies back. I, I sit in like the drive through for like 30 minutes oh, just so I can I order it. Blows my increase. mind. Yeah, that's gone long. Uh, you, you do wait along even yeah. mm-hmm. even some of like Chick-fil-A and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, but we're not doing that. And, you know, and that is something that I find a little ironic. I was at the grocery store yesterday and I saw this lady and she had a mask on and you could tell that she was trying to stay away from people. But she had a cart full of like sodas and beer mm. and that sort of stuff. And I was like, you know, are you really looking out for your health or no. just how is this working for you? No, 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 no. <laughs> might have been me sending my wife to the store. Yeah, yeah she was much older than your wife <laughs> was. <joking>. So <laughs> I grew up in the South, home of Coca-Cola. I still don't drink Coke. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah I won't do it. Yeah, pops a treat in our household, but yeah. it's all good. It's all good. I mean, you, you do what you're supposed to do to try to take care of your body, but it does go back to the importance of, I think, you know, boosting your immune system yeah. and trying to stay healthy. Yeah. It's the best way to beat anything, yeah. any virus or, or stuff like that. So, and, Tammy, mm-hmm. what can we look forward to this legislative session? Anything well, to reveal? Yeah. I think it's going to be a very exciting legislative session. I know that I've been told that there are at least 24 bills right now that have to do with the things that we're currently dealing with. So government overreach, um, emergency orders, uh, things along those lines. I don't know all of them yet. I haven't even seen any of them yet because they're still personal property of the, the person that's um, doing the bill. But um, I think you're going to see that. So um I kind of approach it from two standpoints. So I've heard that, that we'll have, you know, it'll be a regular session. There's a lot of things that we know we need to deal with. Um, and so, you know, plus our regular committees and appropriating money and all that sort of stuff. The other side is that I've also heard that some want to make it a very short session, like three weeks. And then we just go in, we pass a budget and then that's it. We really? pass the budgets and that's it. And I really hope that that's not the case. I think that would be yeah. a huge slap in the face to the people of Idaho who are, you know, counting on us to come in and fix these issues that we know that we have. Um, you know, people have been waiting a long time and and we've seen, you know, we had stuff that was on the books that we didn't even know existed, but now we know. Yeah. And we and because we know, we can't say that we don't know. And because uh, we know we need to do something about it, we need to fix things. Um, because we don't want to do this again. We don't want to continue down the same path doing the same sort of thing. And I can see this going on for a long time if, if we don't do something about it. So so those are the two different roads that I think that we'll have. 
Um, so I hope people will contact their representatives and encourage them to hold a regular session and to take care of these issues that need to be taken care of. I also hope that people will come down to the Capitol like they normally would and um, you know, testify, be part of the process because it is a government by the people. So um, you know, I wanna see people involved in that. Um, but I think people really need to be putting pressure on their, their legislative representatives and asking them to, to fix the things that are need to be taken care of. I have a feeling we're not going to run out of pissed off people ready to testify. Nope. No, <laughs> no, no. I don't think we will either. I don't think we will. And and rightfully so. I totally we're ready to break it. glass doors. Yeah, no, I, I, <laughs> I rightfully get, you know, the frustration. I really, really do. Um, and, and they're right to be frustrated. I, I don't, um, you know, put anything against them for that whatsoever i'm frustrated we're all frustrated so we all have something that's frustrating to us right now is there a bill that is upcoming that you'd be willing to talk about that possibly that you're excited for i won't talk about anything right this minute but soon we will have there is a group of us that did put together a sheet that Mm -hmm. has um some of our bill topics that we'll be working on and so we will have that out here probably next week i think and so we'll be releasing that and that will give you some good insight on on where some of our heads are. <laughs> well, we're gonna have to bring her back on when all that goes through. Absolutely. I absolutely. think I think at the end of the session we should have a have recap. A recap? With you. Oh, yeah. absolutely! You should have a recap. And I'd I would be so down with that. Too. I, I think. It yeah, would let's be really let's hit it halfway through the session because that'd be because there's gonna be a lot going on mm-hmm. during the session. I don't want to wait three months to be like, oh yeah, Tammy, what happened back in January? Right. Oh yeah, because there's so much that goes on. It's hard yeah. to keep track. I mean, we usually pass on average about 300 to 350 bills a session. Mm-hmm. And so it's a lot of, a lot of stuff to and for the, the average working man or woman. It's hard to keep up with all that. It is. It's, it's a lot. I mean, your, your brain is in overload working all the time, not only on, on the bills and, and, you know, reading the bills and knowing what's what, how you're going to be voting. And, but you also have, you know, people to talk to and your constituents and all this information coming in. And then you're also doing money appropriations and so you're doing the budgets and all of that and so there's a lot going on during the session yeah and it's it's hard to keep it is up not with. for the same of heart yeah. at all you are busy <laughs> I, I i feel for you as a legislator trying to keep up with it all yeah but i love it i love like i said i love being able to represent and serve the people um of idaho not just my district but of the whole state and um and i do um try to do my best to now, be able to you do guys that. don't have like secretaries or anything like that do you we have a little bit. Um, we actually, like last session, we had one in the house. We had one secretary per 13 of us. Holy. So you try not to put a lot of stuff on them because um, usually they're trying to keep up with all your um, mail that you have going out, your letters, um, lobbyists, you know, all that sort of stuff. So there's not a lot that you try to that they can do for you um, because they have so many people to have to be responsible for. Um, we do have pages. I know we're going to be limited in the number of pages that we have this this year yeah. because of COVID. Um, and they usually are, are there in our committees to just kind of help in the committees and on the floor. Um, they can do a few little things here and there for us, but they're, they're high school students or seniors, um, which is a great opportunity for them. But, you know, it's limited on what they can do too. And then we don't have a whole lot of other um, personnel that can can do things for us unless we get volunteers. Oh wow! <laughs> so we're always looking for volunteers to help, but um, but yeah, it's you just have to you have to find your own knack on how to um, you know structure things and what takes priority and and just you know work with it as you can. Definitely. 
That's wild. It is. It's a wild session. To do it all by yourself. That's wild. That blows my mind. I have people that'll ask me, you know, who does your social media for you? I'm like, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I do. I don't have someone else that handles that for me or or you'll get emails, you know, if you can let your secretary know, I'm like, okay, I'm the secretary right now too. (laughs) You should be like, hold on, let me get her. Yeah. Let me, let me find the secretary. Sometimes I do have a volunteer that helps every once in a while and that is nice. Representative Nichols, secretary, Tammy Nichols, how can (laughs) I help you today? Exactly. So it, it it should be an interesting session. Um, again, I just hope that we can we can take care of the things that are really needing the attention. Definitely, definitely. Um, so I think we have one more question, Josh. Then you have one more question for. You have one more. Yeah. I'm always for yeah. Here we go. Question. I remember it now. Well, you aliens. Oh yeah. <laughs> or Sasquatch. What is more believable? We have a very big debate here. Well, not which is more. Yeah. I suggested that we end all podcasts going forward. We're actually going to do a couple things. Um, one thing we're going to be doing, obviously not at the Capitol and that's actually where we're filming this. That's why you hear the air conditioner in the background. I don't have yeah. control over that. That's, uh, <laughs> that's why you get to change the scenery if you're yeah. watching government this. buildings. Right. Uh, and also that little bit of an echo. Um, but the idea that we want to, to implement is is we want to start ask, ending all question, all podcasts with, uh, do you believe in aliens uh, or Bigfoot? And then also another thing we're going to be bringing out is we're going to start um, highlighting Idaho-made products. Yep. Oh, I think we're cool. going to work our way through beer and <laughs> liquor first. Yes. Uh, and then wow. We'll to foods and stuff okay. Like that, so. Okay. Very yeah. good. Okay. So do I believe in them or which one do I believe in more? Uh do you believe in either of them? Yeah. I I think, okay, here's my personal opinion. I think anything is possible. That is where I stand. Nothing. People will come up to me and they're, they'll tell me, you're never going to believe this. I'm like, oh, yeah, I probably will. <laughs> so, and I have had people, I have actually had people on both sides tell me they've seen aliens. And I've had people tell me that they've seen Bigfoot. So I, and I, and they're people that I know. I know them well. And so I do not doubt what they're telling me. I myself have never seen an alien or or Bigfoot or what have you, um, but I think anything is possible because we we only know we have such a limited amount that we actually know. I mean, we're on this 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 Earth that's in this gigantic space, right, with all these other planets and solar systems and different things. So I cannot tell you. I I think it would be illogical to say that we're the only only life beings in existence. Fair. So that's my thing. <laughs> Tammy, thank you so much for joining us. You're we definitely welcome. appreciate it. Absolutely. It's, Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun. Uh, definitely eye opening and a lot of fun. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, I learned back so anytime. much. Like a lot. Did you? Well, yes. and we just scratched the surface. I, I guarantee know. it. So. Well, we'll get back to it here in maybe a month and a half to three months. Sounds good. We'll All do right. it. Thanks. Thanks.